The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medianomics. Last week, a friend of Medjugorje answered some very pointed questions about Medjugorje, about the future, about the times that we live in. And it fell during the annual five days of prayer, December 8th through the 12th here at Caritas. The following day, a friend of Medjugorje spoke to the pilgrims that were gathered here, and it provided a very appropriate P.S., to last week's broadcast, so we're going to play for you now the first segment of what a friend of Medjugorje said to all the pilgrims gathered here at Caritas. So this is a friend of Medjugorje, December the 9th, 2016. Somebody asked the question, what do we do when we go back home? How do we tell people? How do we address that when they're against it? And you don't have to worry about those things. If you're always anticipating what you're going to say, you're messing with the Holy Spirit. Be versed in the messages. Be in prayer, fast, sacrifice, do your penance, live the four basic messages, which is peace, penance, fasting, and prayer. You do that, and you're striving to pray with the heart. But I didn't say if you pray with the heart to be an apostle. She said if you strive to pray with the heart, then you're going to have these, these words for you available, and you'll amaze yourself. I was reading, Miriam said, 
she asked our lady some questions about all these people coming to her for advice. And our lady said to her, do not worry about it. Don't think about what you say. I'll tell you what to say. And after that, somebody came to her and asked her a question, and she answered it, and then she realized how she answered it, that she amazed herself. She says, I was really amazed at what I said, because it's not her. And so that's one thing you have to understand to be an apostle, and don't think anything or doubt or second-rate our lady's called to be apostle. It's nothing less than to be apostles. Why? Because the church is very, very ill, is very, very sick, and the rescue for it is not going to come from within the framework of the church. It will not happen, and it's not happening. Where you see the birth of it? And we got more meetings, we got more encyclicals, we got more things, we got all this through the 70s. All, we've been trying to bring a solution to the question of the ills, and our lady says sin is multiplying. This is fresh words. The purity of the souls is less important. My son is being forgotten. And then she adds to that, after pause, because there's a dash there, honored all the less. And yet we've got more stuff, more things printed from the Vatican, and more things coming from the bishops. And yet here she's saying this. What does that mean? What does that tell you? For one thing, we're going to do the work. They're going to get the credit. God gives the glory. Our lady ends this about always praying about your shepherds. Our lady said, November 2nd, 2012, pray for the shepherds because none of this would be possible without them. We're called to do what we think we want them to do. We always say, I want to get my priest. I want to get the priest doing this. I want him to, don't go through them. Our lady's not going through them. Where do you see bishops hollering at, hey, anybody in my diocese that won't promote Medjugorje, you go all out. I'm all for it. You don't have that. Even those who believe in Medjugorje. Because it's not supposed to be. They're tainted. The mentality is not structured right in the church for what our lady is here for, to heal the church. Many would say, Anatha, how can he say that? Why do you say that? I'm saying it. Because I see it in the message. I've seen it for years. I'm not backing down from it. There are bishops that's in confrontation with Our Lady. Why? Because it's supposed to be that way right now. Because Our Lady's coming to contradict everything not right in the church. Not their power. Not who they are. But what they're not doing. I believe in the bishop's power more than they believe in their own power. They have power. They don't use it. And they're not going to use it for a lot of reasons. Political correctness, being chastised, being out of the flock of the nation's conference of bishops. And a lot of it is the mentalities and what plagues the church. Jesus didn't come, okay, I can convert people. I can show them incredible miracles. I can make, it's interesting what Peter and all the apostles saw. They saw incredible miracles, leprosy, people's nose falling off, healing, people who couldn't see were blind, people they knew hadn't walked their whole life. They knew some of the people in Jerusalem. They knew these people. You know what they were most amazed at and what put the fear of God in them? What miracle they saw? The fig tree. When Jesus went to the fig tree, the apostles came out. They couldn't believe it. It was an amazing thing for them. They walked by and they were in fear. So there's a mentality in the church that can't be cured within the church. 
even with miracles. Just like Jesus didn't go to the Sanhedrin and say, okay, I can do all these miracles. I can show it to the Pharisees, Sadducees. I can convert them. And then they got the structure and then they go heal the Sanhedrin and all this other stuff and help bring in the Messiah and his new way. He didn't go to the establishment. Does that sound familiar? Jesus rejected the establishment. Too many regulations, too many laws. You know what the scripture says? When they challenge Jesus, he says, you burden the people with all your restrictions, all your laws. Because out of the Ten Commandments and more derivatives and more derivatives, just like the EPA and everything else that we're all sick of and we're all suffering from, Jesus confronted them on that. The establishment can't be changed once they reach a certain level of corruption. You can't fix it except destroy it. And so they felt that threat. They rose up against Jesus fiercely. They hated him. They had every reason to believe in him, but they believed in their own power. They believed who they were. We're the shepherds of, of Jerusalem. We're shepherds of Israel, of the, of the Jewish people. We got the same thing now, both politically, religiously, in the, in the organizations, and people don't see it. Even this late date where it's very evident, I saw it 20 years ago. I was challenging that. And I don't back down from anything I say because I know that the messages are truth. And it's very evident to me through prayer, this is what the messages are saying. You've heard the message. In the beginning, a lady starts off and she says, my children, my apostles. She ends the same message saying, my son chose his apostles, his shepherds. So he has his. We recognize that. They have the power of Christ. They have the power of the sacraments. They have the power to do these things, which we have to have that. But it's not them who's going to change the direction of the world. It's not their, their decisions. No more than Jesus didn't go to the entrenched establishment 2,000 years ago. And so we see this secularly playing out politically. We see it even in the church now. Because it's secular humanism that's got to be changed, and the church as well. Secular humanism's growth is a result of the weak church, of those in the church not acting on it. It's their fault. And we inherited that because of our sins, so we're at fault. We can't just be pointing the finger. We are the ones that have to change. You get the shepherds of who you are. Years ago, I was in Williamsburg, and they have people there that portray in the colonial days exactly what was going on in, in Williamsburg. And so we sat in a courtroom where they had the debates, and Thomas Jefferson was in there. He's dressed up like that. This guy eats, breathes, thinks Thomas Jefferson. He becomes his personality. He studies him so much that he knows how he would answer a question. And so it was a challenge, and we would sit there, and we could ask him questions. And somebody asked Thomas Jefferson, what do you think about President Clinton? Because he was in office at that time. And he says, who is that? See, they only think about to the date of where they are in 1777 or 17, that was maybe 1775, something like that. So he can't answer that. And the person asked back, you know, his corruption, and he's lying right now about some things going on in the presidency. He said, well, I don't know about this Clinton guy you're talking about, but what I can say is this, is you... Get who you are. It's a profound answer. 
So who's elected is who the people are. And I remember a poll at that time, I came back to it, that 51% or 52% of the Americans believe Clinton was a liar. And so we got a president that was a liar because that's who we were, the majority of our people. And so it is, this tells us and teaches us from these things that throughout history, and that's another thing, people don't know history. And it's, it's revised. History is constantly changed. We don't go beyond the civil rights right now era for our history. Everything stops there. And all the names and the greats are from that point, not before that. And it's part of erasing and changing history so that you won't know history. Uh, it's amazing what people don't know. It's incredible. So you have to be reading not just the messages. You have to be reading our forefathers. You have to be reading the, the, the saints. You have to be reading about all these things. But one thing through these messages is Jesus didn't go to the Sanhedrin to establish what he wanted to establish. When they thought they should, the people thought that he should, the Sanhedrin would be the method to go through. Go convert them. They were unconvertible. It's, it's almost unthinkable. It's irrational. So many millions, hundreds of millions of conversions worldwide connected to Medjugorje. The people would never be able to go there. That's transformed. Medjugorje is in every diocese of the world. And you can probably see almost one person, at least in every parish of the world, somebody knows or is converted to Medjugorje. That the bishops haven't said something or, or jumped on this bandwagon. Not about being approved and unapproved. What did he do with Fatima? Fatima wasn't approved the next day. He had to be allowed to believe into it to get approved. So it doesn't have to be approved to be to be practiced and looked at. So don't get stuck. And I see people all the time. I had somebody just recently. Well, I'm going to go to my priest. I'm going to go to this. I want my bishop. To. Forget that. You're just wasting and spinning your wheels. It's not going to happen. The establishment is not what this is going to come through. It's going to come through the anti-establishment. I had a card and tell me. We had good people doing bad things. And it's not always something identified as something bad. It's just neutral things. There is none. It's, it's nothing. Remember years ago we had the movement called Renew? And they got this old formula to sit down, and they got the, the textbooks, and they got everything planned out. It's not the Holy Spirit. We don't need that. You as an individual can do more than what Renew did. As one person, the whole nation did. What did it Renew? Jesus here is being honored less. Something didn't cause a hiccup in that and change it around. We've continued down this spiral that we're sinking in. And it's our lady who says, I'm here to draw it out of that whirlpool. So once you got these things understood, you see the messages in another light. Don't waste your time going to the establishment. Yes, you've got to get baptized Yes, you need the Eucharist. Yes, you need the Mass. You need all, all these are part of it. But it's based on what Father Pharisee told me because we've, we've launched so many things, so many initiatives that other people have taken, and we know it came from here. We, we've had national talk show hosts, material people call us. With it. This is verbiage from, because a lot of our verbiage is a new thought process. It's a new, it's a new way of thinking. Because our lady gives us a new way of thinking. She shows us how to see things in a different light that we didn't have before. So that's exactly what the words were. He will have the words of light for you. There's things and verbiages we put out there that's not hadn't existed. 
Because in a modern term, in the way we think of things in a different way, there was no reason for it to. Now we have to challenge the whole system. And so one mistake I see over and over is people think, well, he says, I want you to work in the church. I know you seem you think you're too small in this matter. See, we think too small because we think, okay, what she did in Fatima, and then she's gone, and we got the first Saturday devotions, the devotion to the Immaculate Heart and the Sacred Heart of Jesus. This ain't that. Our day is immersed every day, all day, through the night, constantly into the message. That's all we do. We're very blessed to have a life that our life is based all day long in the messages. I don't know how many... Hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times, just the word message or lay's message is spoken here every day. It's everything we do. So that's a grace for us and a blessing for us. But what I can say, because we're immersed in this, doesn't mean we understand everything going on. Medjugorje is bigger than we can know. We don't have the vision to see into the future completely. But we see enough to know that this is preparing for the second coming of Christ. And the church has always backed down from that. Well, you can't do that. Every age does that. We were just talking about this on Mesonomics yesterday. And we've got a disqualification. Every time you hear about something about, well, if you hear this, it's in the Bible, Revelation 19, 11, 16, destruction of pagan nations. The heavens were open, and as I looked on, a white horse appeared. Its rider was called the faithful and true. His eyes blazed like fire. He wore a cloak. They had been dipped in the blood, and his name was the Word of God. The armies of heaven were behind him riding white horses and dressed in fine linens. I always thought Jesus was a cowboy. Pure, pure and white. A name was written on the part of the cloak that was covered his thigh, King of kings and Lord of lords. So we go from that to Matthew when he talks about the same thing about the Antichrist. It just precedes that. Matthew 24, 21. For at that time there will be great tribulation. Such has not been seen since the beginning of the world until now, nor will ever be. If those days were not shortened, no one would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, they'll be shortened. Every time we have these Bible verses, I always hear from the puppet, well, we really can't look at this in the world. We have people in the past predicted these things, and you know they were wrong. And so, what we want to tell you is, you have to. You're going to be meeting Jesus. He's going to be coming to you at your death. An overemphasis of just your individual death that you're going to point. Sure, but when does it come? If not now, when? One well, of Revelation is twelve stars about ahead, moving underneath the feet. That's the Bible. Did you know there's not there's ten Bibles, six of them Protestant, four Catholic, and only one of them has the accurate translation of what we heard in Mass yesterday. I'll put enmity between you and the woman. The woman's seed will crush your head. That's not the Bible verse. That's not the Bible verse that we carried for 1,600 years from St. Jerome, 200 years A.D., and you older people, remember what it used to be. I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and she will crush your head, the serpent's head, while you strike her heel. The Bible's been changed. Now these nine Bibles say he will crush your head. 
That changes everything. That changes the world revelations chapter 12. When did it happen? 1970. What was happening then? Everything was changing. Revised history. This is the most profound change in scriptures that you'll find. Because I remember that growing up. And I couldn't find that. I recently found that, how, how that came about. St. Jerome translated it. It came straight from the Bible. We lived by it as a as Catholic church for 16, 1,800 years. And now it's changed, so everybody's got this. Where's well, Jesus going to do it? No, it's the woman. And that's what she's here for today. This is the biblical verse that explains Medjugorje. And also makes Revelation 12 start makes sense because they will tell you, most theologians, well, this is a church. This woman is a church. Give me a break. We had a black guy here that delivered a mail. He's a Baptist preacher. He came here and saw we was a bunch of Mary worshipers. He was preaching to everybody every day out there. This, this was when we had the Caritas house over here. Real boisterous, loud voice. And, you know, you're like, he didn't say you're going to hell, but that's what he was saying, you Catholic worshipers and Mary and stuff. And so, uh, what was his name? Larry. Larry would come up there every day, and everybody come up to me and say, he's keeping us out there 10 minutes, and he's just jumping all over us. What are we going to do? I said, just be loved to him. So he came down, and then every now and then he'd challenge with a question we'd answer back. We went on about a year or two, and he softened to us a lot, but he needed a car. So he asked us, he said, will you pray that Mary for me to get a car and see what can happen? The next day he drives up, and he's screaming, and he has a big laugh. He says, come here, look at this, look at this, look at this window right here. Look in that window, well, who is that? We said, that's a sticker of our lady of Guadalupe. Mother Mary gave me this car. It was a new car he had. He abused, but it was his car. So he became a believer. I ended up going to his church preaching to all these kids and had them up there doing the Hail Marys and everything, and everybody's saying, amen, amen, amen. But all we did was be love. But I tell you this story because one time he came here and Maria's here and they sent him across the street. She's in the kitchen. And he was real humble and like, like in fear in front of her and says, you know, I don't, I don't know about this Mary stuff. And, and Maria says, you don't have to. You don't, you don't have to. All, all she's asking is you just pray. You just pray. And he was just totally disarmed by the answer. He thought she was going to try to convince him to do this and believe this and believe that and believe that. And she, he said, well, what does she look like? And she explained the 12 stars, how she sees them. He said, well, the light, and she said, it's a light that you can't, you cannot compare to anything in the world. And he was hooked into this. But I say that only because they see her with 12 stars about her head. Where is a woman described in the book of the Bible with 12 stars about her head? And yet the theologians still to this day mostly will say, that's the church. It is not the church. The Protestants will tell you, it's the, it's the church. No, it's not Mother Church. It's the one who says, I am the mother of the church. It is she. If not now, when? Revelation chapter 12, this is it. We live in the Bible. Private revelations is revealing public revelations. And that's what's given all the hierarchy of the church a problem. Because this is rivaling public revelations. They keep saying it's got private revelations. We'd have no problem with that. But why cannot we have, theologically, private revelations revealing public revelations? Don't the priests every Sunday do that? Does the Pope not do that? Does the Cardinals not do that? The bishops not do that? That's what they're, they're talking about, public revelations. 
and trying to give you their insights of this revelations. So we can't have a private revelation come and tell us and think of the logic of it. The private revelations, we're living something that we can't understand. I, I'm just amazed that and I, sometimes I pinch myself that we're, we're in the moment in the preparation for the final coming. Now, they won't say that, as I was talking earlier, because they back down from that. And they don't want to do that. But, you know, the scriptures are written in a way that speaks to every generation. And we talked about this yesterday, about Nero. They said he was Antichrist. The bishops at that time, the, all the Christians believed Nero in 300 AD was Antichrist. He was. Hitler was an Antichrist. Every age has had the Antichrist. Saddam Hussein's an Antichrist. And that picture of that is real. And so God allowed the scriptures to speak to us at the end of the world. For Iraq, that was the end of the world for them. You say, well, that's not the second coming. But if every generation is thinking that, they're going to be more ready to meet the one they're trying to identify as just death. So every generation has had this end of the world. But we've never had the capability for the world to end through war and through battle. Satan's not going to snap his finger and the world disappears. It's through destruction. And to stop it, Christ comes back and intervenes. We know our lady said in the first Iraq war that Satan wants to destroy nature, man, and the planet on which you live. So let's go back 500 years ago. The Virgin Mary appears in Guadalupe. She gives Juan Diego that message. You would think, Satan's going to do this. How, how can you destroy the world? You know, the most powerful thing we got at that time is just some cannons. You can't do it. But if we go back to the first Iraq war, we knew the war could destroy itself. We know that could happen. So see, these messages mean something for us that it couldn't mean something for somebody before us. That's why the Virgin Mary is here with us, to learn us how serious our situation is and the capabilities of the world ending is real. It's very viable. So you can't enter Medjugorje now at this late date in the game without leapfrogging over a lot of cognition that you might need. Or what we've gone through, saw this step by step by step, and even foresaw it before anybody else did. Because I had people say, you're, you're, you're pessimistic or you're, you're too doomsday. We were doing our novenas 23 years ago about chastisement. The messages have that much to tell us about the future. The scripture says God never takes action in the world among his people without warning them. You know, Noah was a, it was a warning. But they were foolishly didn't put stock into it. And what's going to come in the tribulation is not since Noah's day. You had Sodom between that and other places and other things that were destroyed. World War II was a satanic war, Sister Lucy said. And so we know that war is that way. But we have something so unique now that we had the Virgin Mary coming to show you that this is different. And it's so different that I'm giving you so much and I'm with you every day and I'm giving you hundreds and hundreds of messages. I'm giving you guidance. I'm telling you how to convert non-believers, all the pagans. I'm showing you how to become holy. I'm showing you how to get out of sin. I'm showing you how to walk with God. I'm showing you how to call me there. I'll be there. I'm telling you, in the message she says, if you need me, pray and I'll come immediately. She's got new efficacy. She's getting all these things. And what's unique about this, to me the most unique part of the apparitions, is she said, these are the last apparitions. 
That's why she said, those who've walked for years with this, that you are irreplaceable, unrepeatable. She can't repeat this with another people in the future. You're the apostles that Jesus wrote 2,000 years ago, his church on their heart, and manifested to their witness. You're the people that she's writing while she's with us on your heart. What she's doing are the people who will follow you and your witness. And that was a friend of Medjugorje, December the 9th, 2016. Remember that your role is very important in Our Lady's work. It's very important in her plans, as you heard a friend of Medjugorje say. And constant reminder that every action of yours, for good or for evil, will be remembered by future generations as they look back into this time and see how the children of Our Lady responded and how they acted. And so... Keep that in mind, especially during this Christmas season as we approach the Feast of Christmas coming in just uh, the next 10 days or so. And also keep in mind all of Our Lady's work here at Caritas. Uh, we certainly encourage you, for those of you that are thinking of giving at the end of this year, your end-of-the-year donations, you can contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205 672 let us know that your donations are for the end of the year and they are tax deductible. And so on behalf of a friend of Medjugorje, Caritas of Birmingham, the community of Caritas, Medjugorje.com and Radio Wave, good day and God bless. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Metronomic Show with a friend of Medjugorje. To order this show on CD, you can contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000.